Hey, Drew Dixon from Love Thy Nerd back with you for another Bible Thump. If you're new to this whole thing, let me tell you what we do. We open the Bible, and I read it, and then I try to say some things that I hope will encourage you. And I want to acknowledge up front that this is sort of a weird passage. Um, weird is the wrong word. It's a challenging passage, and it's caused people some trouble, and it's bothered some people, and it's gotten other, under people's skin. Um, and I want to just let it get under our skin and bother us a little bit, um, because I think maybe that's good. I think sometimes it's good for us to be bothered by things. And um, we don't always have to defend the Bible. The Bible's going to say some things here that initially we might look at and be bothered by and be upset by. And that's okay. Like, we don't have to choose between um, defending the Bible or, um, you know, acknowledging the dignity and experience of other people. So just with that in your mind, let's read. And then hopefully I can encourage you a little bit from this passage that, that is... That is troubling. All right. So First Peter two, starting in verse eighteen. And by the way, part of why I'm teaching on this is just because I've been teaching on First Peter. So every week in Bible Thump, we've gone through another section of First Peter. I'm not skipping any verses. I'm going to go through all of it. Um, and so that's a big part of why. Okay. So that'll make more sense in a minute. But all right. So First uh, Peter two, starting in verse eighteen. Peter writes. Household slaves, submit to your masters with all reverence, not only to the good and gentle ones, but to the cruel. For it brings favor, if because of a conscious of consciousness of God, if because of a consciousness of God, someone endures grief from suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if when you do wrong and are beaten, you endure it? But when you do what is good and suffer, if you endure it, this brings favor with God. For you were called to this, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He did not commit sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was insulted, he did not insult in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness." By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but you have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, I just want to acknowledge, having read that passage, I want to acknowledge the elephant in the room. And that is that it's weird and um, kind of gross, um, more than kind of, it's gross. It's gross for someone like me to teach this passage. Um, it just is, and I'm not going to try to excuse it or justify it. Um, I just want to acknowledge it and, and apologize for it. But again, the reason why I'm teaching um, and speaking on 1 Peter 3, 18 through 25 is because it's the next section of 1 Peter, and, I, and I'm not going to skip it. Okay? So that's why I'm teaching on it. It's not because I have a special authority to teach on this subject. Um, all right. So uh, <laughs> that caveat out of the way... Um, what I want to say really clearly is that verses 18 and 19, the goal here, uh, as, I, as we look at these verses, is not to defend the Bible at, at the expense of human dignity. We've got to stop doing that. We've got to stop thinking, as, as followers of Jesus, that we've always got to prove the Bible is okay. It's true. It's not saying anything that's uncomfortable or not saying anything that we should disagree with. Um, listen, the Bible is weird, and it's difficult, and it doesn't always feel like it connects with the world and the culture that we live in. Like, um, you imagine someone saying these things now in today's day and age, we'd go like, what in the world? This person needs to be canceled. 
Um, so I just want to acknowledge that and say we don't have to choose to either love and appreciate the Bible or uplift and uphold human dignity. That's a false um, dichotomy that we can just reject, I think. We need to acknowledge, so in this passage, I think, because we look at a passage like this, we need to remember that Peter's in a different context than we are. He's in a different world than we are, and we do need to acknowledge what he is and isn't doing. So uh, first, what is he doing? Well, he is, in this passage, speaking directly to slaves. They were on his mind, and he wanted to encourage them. He takes a moment in this letter to churches in Asia Minor and says, hey, I know in, this, in these churches all over Asia Minor in the first century, they're, they're slaves. There are people who are slaves. There are household slaves. And I want to take a minute to just speak directly to you and to encourage you. So um, there is something really encouraging there, right? Because slaves in the first century are the type of people that didn't have a lot of like social capital, didn't have a lot to offer anyone in terms of getting ahead. And so here we see Peter is not writing to people who can uh, promote his agenda and get him ahead. He's acknowledging people who were ignored and overlooked and marginalized. And he sees them, he acknowledges them, and wants to take a moment to give them some encouragement. Um, so that's encouraging at first. And I think you could read, um, by the way, I think you could read Peter um, in verses eight, 18 and 19 as enabling abusers, right? Because he says, household slaves, submit to your masters with all reverence, not only to the good and gentle, but to the cruel. But I think, however, a more generous reading is that he is acknowledging the mistreatment and abuse and letting slaves know that, that he, and more importantly, God, sees them. God sees their suffering. God sees them, and he is going to reward them. So this is, this is not what he's saying, though. He, so he is... He is speaking directly to slaves and trying to encourage them, but he isn't justifying cruel abusers to continue their abusive ways. That is not at all what he's saying. He's saying God's, he's speaking to slaves. Again, he's speaking to people who are marginalized and saying, God sees your position. He sees the situation you're in. He sees the cruel treatment you're undergoing. He sees you and he will reward you. That's not to say that you shouldn't speak up. Peter says nothing about that. He says absolutely nothing about whether they should speak up. And so because he says nothing, we in our modern context have this assumption, make this assumption that he's like, oh, abuse or cruel masters are a wonderful thing and slavery is totally fine. He's not saying that at all. He's encouraging slaves and he's saying, God sees you. God sees your suffering. Um, he, he sees it, he acknowledges it, and he will reward you. God will do what is right and what is just. God will promote. He is the one who judges justly, and the one who judges justly will do what is right, and you can trust him. He's, and trust your souls to the one who judges justly is what Paul wants. Sorry, not Paul, but Peter wants his readers to do. So he is speaking directly to the slaves. He's not justifying abuse. And secondly, thirdly, sorry, he is not interested in starting a campaign. This is what bothers us and bothers me. He's not interested in this passage, apparently. At least in this passage, he's not interested. He could be overall, but he's not interested in starting a campaign to fight against unjust social systems like slavery. So um, this is the part where this passage makes me uncomfortable and probably makes you uncomfortable because I know slavery to be 
an unjust institution. And you know it to be that, and you know it to be something that should uh, be done away with, that we should fight against, that we should still fight against today, because by the way, it hasn't gone away. It's still very much a part of our world. And so it's something we should fight against. Why isn't Peter calling for a campaign against slavery? Why isn't Peter using whatever uh, social influence he has um, to start a campaign to fight slavery? Um, and here's, here's my answer to, to why he isn't doing that. Um, are you ready for it? Because it's really profound. Here's my answer. Why isn't Peter starting a campaign to fight against the unjust social institution of slavery? I don't know. I wish he did. <laughs> How's that for you? For a Bible answer, I don't know why he's not. I wish he would. But Peter's concern here is to encourage slaves who are suffering. To encourage people who are suffering unjustly and to let them know God sees you. He sees your situation. He sees your suffering. And by the way, he's not okay with it. God himself is not okay with your unjust treatment. He sees you. He will reward you. This does not mean we should not speak up for ourselves. Peter doesn't say we shouldn't do that. Peter doesn't say we shouldn't speak up for ourselves when we suffer unjustly. He doesn't say that we shouldn't speak up against oppressors and unjust systems. I think, personally, I think a strong, strong biblical case can be made for doing all those things. Um, the Bible does not tell you that you have to suffer silently. Um, the Bible does not tell you that when you see others suffering that you shouldn't speak up. In fact, I think it tells us the opposite. I think the Bible says that when we see people suffering unjustly, we should speak up and advocate for them. If you're in a position where you're not suffering unjustly and you see someone suffering unjustly, um, and when I, I keep using that word unjustly because it's different when you suffer for something you've done wrong. Like if you um, <laughs> like steal from someone and you go to jail for it, or if you murder someone and you go to jail for it, you're suffering for, for your unjust actions, right? And that's different. But I think a biblical case can be made for, for speaking up. But what Peter wants slaves and, and all who suffer unjustly, and by the way, uh, Peter's teaching here tells us that he sees slaves um, uh, well, he sees slavery uh, as unjust, I think, because he, he compares it to Jesus' suffering. That's the suffering he compares the slavery, uh, the, those who are, are, are in slavery and are cruel masters, he compares it to, to, G, to Jesus' suffering on the cross. So, yes, he acknowledges that this is an unjust system. And, and we should say, too, by the way, that um, the slavery that was going on in Peter's day was different than the slavery that went on in our country um, not too long ago, right? It was not motivated by race. It was motivated primarily by money, right? Typically, in the first century, in the ancient world, if you could not pay your bills, if you could not pay off a debt, you would sell yourself into slavery uh, to pay off that debt. Um, and it usually had an end date. It was different, but a lot of people spent their whole lives in slavery because of, some, of, of coming under unjust debt, right, that they just could not pay off. So it's still a horribly unjust system. Um, nobody should be in slavery, uh, period, right, no matter what the situation, but it was different. Um, so Peter wants slaves and all who suffer unjustly to know God sees you. He sees and acknowledges their unjust suffering. He encourages them in the midst of that suffering to entrust themselves, like Jesus, to the one who judges justly. In other words, uh, God is not cool with any kind of injustice. And the message of the Bible, particularly the message of the minor prophets and, and, and prophets like Isaiah, but also I think of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is that in the end, and, and even now, 
Jesus will establish justice. I mean, Jesus is this guy who stands up against unjust treatment of people all the time. He steps in and says, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. He ministers to a Samaritan woman who is uh, known to be uh, immoral. He ministers to all kinds of people. Uh, he's hanging out with sinners and tax collectors. Like, he... He's hanging out with the marginalized all the time and, and, and offering them dignity and loving them and supporting them. Uh, but then also think about this, Isaiah 7, sorry, Isaiah 1, 17. The prophet Isaiah writes, Learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. And then in uh, Micah, we read this, Micah 6, 8. He has told you, God has told you, O mortal, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God? So mercy is something that we live out. Justice is something we promote and we do it and we make sure that others experience it. So um, I think a strong biblical case can absolutely be made for speaking up for the unjust suffering of other people. Absolutely, that's something you should do. But Peter here, that's not what he's doing. He's acknowledging the dignity of slaves, though. He is acknowledging the dignity of slaves and those who suffer unjustly. He's saying to them, God sees you, and he will not overlook your suffering. You have God's favor. He sees you. He loves you. He will reward you. He will establish justice. He will make things right. And trust your souls, your heart, your life, your strength to the one who judges justly. He will make all things new. And that means slavery. He's going to put it to it to an end. He's going to bring justice. Um, and that's not to say that we shouldn't fight for justice now. We absolutely should. I just talked about these passages in the Bible that call us to do just that. Um, but also, um, I think we need to acknowledge that slavery is not a thing of the past. It's very much alive and well. And not just because of human trafficking, but because of unjust systems that continue to oppress the poor. Um, decades upon decades of unchecked systemic racism um, in our country has done damage to all kinds of minorities, to the poor, to the marginalized, and, and to minorities. Um, and so here's the hope. God will make all things new. He's he sees that. He sees that injustice and is going to do something about it. And yes, in the meantime, we should be fighting. We should be standing up. We should sta be standing with the oppressed. But here's, here's, that, that's just not what Peter's doing. That's not on his agenda right now. But what is on his agenda right now is Peter's saying to those who are suffering unjustly, Peter will remind you that you have, that you will be rewarded, but also, secondly, that you have a voice. You have a voice in the midst of, of your suffering. Suffering, particularly unjust suffering, presents us with the opportunity to deepen our hope and trust in Jesus. It presents us with the opportunity to entrust ourselves to the one who judges justly. And as we do that, we get this opportunity to point the people around us to the hope we have in the one and true good King the hope we have in Jesus, who's making all things new, who does what is right, who promotes justice. So the question we should be asking now is whatever way we're suffering, maybe not at the level of, of, of a slave in the first century, but whatever way you're suffering unjustly, in whatever way life is unfair, and whatever way you're dealing with difficulty or frustration, that is an opportunity 
to live out the hope that you have in Jesus and to point other people to him and to the freedom they can have in him and to the joy they can have in him, to the purpose they can have in him. So, as you think through this passage, um, how, how will you do that? How will you point other people to him? I hope you're encouraged to do just that in the midst of whatever situation you're in. Because whatever situation you're in, you have a voice and you have an opportunity to point people to the hope that you have in Christ. Thanks so much for your time. We'll see you next week.